Hey, I'm Blake Francis. I'm a millennial and I've never listened to a podcast in my life. So the only comical thing to do is to create a series of audio goodness where I have a yarn to some interesting people I've met in my time. And the challenge is I'm rallying my co-hosts using only the mate's currency, a slab of beverages. Strap yourselves in because who knows where this could go. It's Best Mates with Blake. Oh, here we go. We're back. Thank you so much for returning for another episode of Best Mates with Blake. As always, super stoked to be here. Uh, I've got another fantastic guest that has said yes to this crazy podcast I do. And without further ado, my next guest on the episode today is the one, the only, Christian Wilkins. Mate, thank you so much for joining me. No, thank you so much for having me. It's nice to hear that there's a fellow podcaster that's never listened to a podcast. Because I am much the same. I've never once listened to it, including my own. People are always like, which one's your favorite? And I'm like, no idea. Great, great. I'm so glad that the, the small minority of people that haven't listened is slowly growing. That's what I'm finding out, which is fantastic. Yeah, uh, it's yeah so, which is great news for us as podcast hosts. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. Well, straight into that, uh, you do host your own podcast. That was a fantastic segue there. Uh, I, I believe it's called Radical Fashionism. Uh, that's a yep. bit of a tongue twister if you try to say it a bit quickly, but go tell us all about it because I am the worst with fashion and I'm so glad you could probably give me a couple of tips. <laughs> Yeah, well, um, it's my best mate and I, and we sort of initially wanted to do an LGBTQI plus social issues kind of podcast. And then um, someone that we were talking to was like, you sort of need a point of difference. And he was like, you guys, you love fashion. You know a lot about it. If there's any way that you can kind of combine these two ideas, that would probably be a brilliant podcast. And we, I mean, I can't attest to whether or not it's brilliant, but it's definitely a lot of fun. And the idea behind it is, each episode, we explore a different social issue and its relationship to fashion. So, say, uh, we've done feminism and fashion with Is a Man Freddy from the um, Preachers. We talked about women in politics and fashion with Tanya Plibersek, racism and fashion with uh, Kelly Rowland. So, yeah. It's a really fascinating uh, idea because I'm sure, like we said at the top of the podcast, we haven't listened to any. So I'm sure that there are many podcasts out there exploring fashion and just the idea of fashion. However, you've gone one step further and your idea of fashion and how it has an effect on the community and different themes and, uh, you know, enforcing different opinions from all different walks of life. I think that's an extra element and layer to your podcast that will really cut through to a niche audience. But I think it's going to make people think a lot more about fashion in general if you don't know too much about it. Is that true? Is that what you're trying to do? Yeah, I definitely think so. Because, you know, realistically, I appreciate not everyone might follow all the runways and stuff like that but fashion really does kind of um dictate our lives it's you know the t-shirt that you put on that morning whether or not it's a concept or something it's still you subconsciously deciding like who you're going to be that day you know it takes part in all of our lives and social issues are obviously another thing that we all sort of have a viewpoint about so it's kind of just marrying the two ideas and sort of um showing people that there is really a through line and now you've got some incredible people. Uh, even though I can't listen to it, I can research it and see the titles. And I can see how long it goes for, all that sort of stuff. Now, you've got some people, as you said, Kelly Rowland. Uh, you've got someone, I saw on there, is it Peter from Louis Vuitton? So you've got some Peter from really... Louis Vuitton. We have Boy yeah. George. Um, yeah, Boy George was our first big interview. And my best mate, Andy, and I, who co-hosts it with me, were absolutely shitting it. 
before he gave it. Because he's seen such an. I remember when I was a little kid, and my I used to kind of want to wear makeup and wear dresses and stuff like that. And my mum used to show me photos of Boy George and be like, "You can absolutely do that. Look at this man. Look how fantastic he is." So getting to meet him and having him on the podcast as the first person, we were like, "Don't fuck up. Don't fuck up." Yes, absolutely. Although, did she show you the hats? Because. I feel like there's no way you can tame your luscious mane by putting a hat on your head. No, I see. And I've also got a weirdly shaped head that doesn't look great in hats. But luckily for me, Andy is bald and he likes to cover up that fact by wearing a lot of hats. Great, great. Well, that's all right. We'll put hats to the side and keep it nice and fresh locks on top of your head. Um, What's the aim for you i know you've got those uh great celebrities on and you're really exploring the different um the different avenues of fashion and and its effects on society but what's the end goal are you aiming to get like amazing international fashionistas and style gods and you know people of influence in the fashion world is that where you would love that trajectory for your podcast to go yeah i mean i guess so someone said to us really early on which is probably good advice for you too if you haven't heard it you're never going to buy a yacht from a podcast it's just that's the reality of it but for us we just really i definitely feel like i'm i classify myself as a weirdo sort of anti we're sort of a bit of a misfit and we kind of wanted to create a community of misfits of people that do kind of care about these things and do love fashion and it, it can simultaneously laugh at it and also appreciate how serious it is and just like create that community so that's really what our end goal is to just keep growing that group of people yeah and fantastic because uh i have no doubt that you've got such a strong loyal following for that podcast uh and also yourself in your own right as well um well my mom suddenly loves it (laughs) <laughs> number one fan number one fan yeah. always always um and so actually talking about your family for for people that might not know the name christian wilkins you i think you've probably heard the surname a few times uh, around the media sphere in australia uh because christian is the son of the great richard wilkins uh media titan i would say hollywood celebrity all things goss uh so that is a an amazing connection there and so i want to know going back to your early childhood and being brought up because richard's done that for many a years now what was your earliest memory of media um i mean it was just always my dad started working in tv I think it's now 33 years ago and I'm only 26. So it was kind of my whole entire life. And realistically, it was just kind of what my dad did. You know, it was never anything special. I remember kids coming out to me at school being like, I saw your dad on TV. And I was like, yeah. Um, And quite often if I went to like red carpets and stuff with him, it was more because he couldn't get a babysitter rather than trying to introduce me to that world. I remember one time being on a red carpet and Kate Hudson was there wearing um, his partner at the time dress um call it again and he was interviewing her about it and i was like i'm hungry i wonder how like who is this woman um but it's you know it was just something that was always there and and i think growing up around that um sort of environment it both gave me an appreciation for it and also appreciation for how fickle and that it's not the most important thing in the world um i can see a lot of people when they sort of kind of rise up themselves they put a lot of weight in what people say and what the press say and what they're doing next and i'm like mate it's a job you know and you need to take it with a grain of salt and you need to just try and do as many things that make you happy as possible 
it's so funny you mentioned when people saw your father on TV and, and I feel like there's something about children of the parents, you know, they might have, they could have the most amazing job in the world. They could be a Hollywood A-list, you know, actor, but to them, it's just mum and dad. You don't really like what mum and dad does, you, you know, is what age did you come around to, like you said, appreciate what the art was and what your dad did and the whole industry in general? Um, I mean, I think I was quite young once I started liking the idea of going to like red carpets and stuff like that, because I, as a kid, it's such a like childlike environment almost. Like there's this big red floor <laughs> and people are putting on sparkly outfits and waving at people and like acting silly. Um, but I think I was probably only like really 2021 when I had an appreciation for the art form of presenting. Um, I don't think I realized how difficult it is and how much talent it actually takes to have longevity in it. Um, you know, I, I sort of assumed seeing my dad um, that everyone kind of had that passion and had that drive and, and really was that good. And then as I got older, I was like, no, that's not the case. A lot of people really struggle with it. And if you do sort of want to have a lasting career, you actually need to be really bloody good and do your job well. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I wholeheartedly believe that. And do you think you were against, you know, being brought up and, and it was a forced love, like your dad's like bringing you along to this because he had to or he wanted you to, you know, come up under his wing and, and do something similar to this? How did you view it like when you were when you were a kid? No, I mean, I have, I'm one of five and my three older siblings have sort of nothing to do. Well, my older brother is an editor, but that's all behind the scenes, you know. So it was never something that um, we were kind of forced to take part in. I just, I loved acting as a kid. I loved singing and dancing. Um, and, you know, it's, it's obvious that if there's success there, there's quite often success in the public sphere. So I think that's sort of where my interest kind of came from it. And just being like, no, if, if I'm going to do this, I want to do it really bloody well too. When you did start appreciating it, is that when you were like, okay, I want to start paving my own way. I want to start getting out, individualizing myself, trying to get my own jobs, my own flair, my own influence on the industry. And I don't know, for lack of a better phrase, shake your father's, uh, I don't know, what opinion and, and sort of, legacy. yeah, legacy. That's it. Like, did you yeah. want to branch out from under that? Yeah, definitely. I think when I first finished school, I just assumed that someone would hire me because I was my dad's son and because I was always around at these things. And it, that probably sounds brattier than it was intended, but perhaps it was quite bratty to think that way. Um, and then it kind of took a few years of my dad being like, no, you need to decide what you want to do. Like, do you just want to be a reality TV star? And because I'd had a few um, offers from certain things to do stuff and kind of had a moment of self-reflection where I was like, no, no, I don't. Um, not that there's anything wrong with that, but, you know, I kind of wanted to make sure that the things that I did, I really loved doing, which is why sort of my first introduction doing things was uh, documentary for SBS on homelessness. And then I got to do a big campaign for Westfield where I played Dame Edna's son. And then I got to do a Cosmopolitan Pride issue um, and slowly work up through different fashion things. And even Dance with the Stars, the idea that there was kind of purpose behind it and it was something that I loved so much as a kid. Um, there were things that I very much selected 
on purpose because I really felt passionate about the things that they were standing up for. Did you ever cop a lot of uh, slack for trying, uh, I guess your opportunities were built out of your dad's legacy? Yeah, definitely. People kind of, they want to shut you down for not doing anything. But then also once you try and do something, they're like, well, you don't do anything, so shut up. And I'm like, well, you can't have your cake and eat it too. But in my opinion, opinions are like assholes. The only one I really kind of give a shit about is mine. Um, and, you know, it's you just kind of need to, it depends how much weight you put in it. You know, if someone comments on your Instagram post and they don't know you, that's not real. I appreciate that it can get to you, but you need to sort of, I find, have the resilience and the strength to kind of push through that and be like no they're not my friends if my friends come up to me and they're like you're a dickhead i'm going to take that to heart but if someone on instagram's like you're a dickhead i'm like mm, probably <laughs> if you can't beat them just join them just believe yeah thought why not yeah um yeah. and so i like to go back with complete indifference because <laughs> i guess when someone says something and you agree with it what leg do they have to stand on it's like well yeah i remember one time someone told me that um i should join they're like i've I've emailed the Muppets because you should join them for um, because you're such a big note. And then I CC'd back my manager and was like, Martin, look at this person out here trying to get me work. What are you doing? And then he like, came back and I'm like, well, what now? <laughs> that is great. I reckon you, you would have a lot of fun just judging on our very small interaction now and your outlook on trolls and, and online hate, uh, whatever you want to call it. I feel like you could have a lot of fun and it's only going to make uh, an entertaining ride for you. Not them, maybe. They might be like, oh, shit, but fair enough. Now, you mentioned it before and it's a bit more of a, a serious topic because I watched the SBS documentary that you were on, Filthy Rich and Homeless. Now, for anyone who hasn't seen it, it is such an incredible uh, documentary series on SBS uh, that involved Christian and a bunch of other uh, celebrities or media personalities, um, I guess, getting stripped away of everything they know to this date and getting thrown into civilization that reflects a different group of people. So it might be homeless, displaced, struggling in some form uh, and getting to live and experience a period of time like that. It was so eye-opening. It was so honest and it was so raw and, and interesting that my partner and I, when we watched it, it was, I don't know, it was moving. It was very, very moving. And for someone who clearly went through it firsthand, I know you probably have gotten asked it before, but what was your perception of what the project was going to be going into it? And how did that differ from the end result coming out of it? They literally told us nothing. We were doing a documentary about homelessness filmed in Melbourne for 10 days. That was pretty much all the information we were given. Um, also, when we did it, it was just called Homeless. Um, and, you know, that that was after the experience when we actually found out about the name um, red kind of alarms went off in my head because I was like, "Have it was such a genuine experience for all of us. And then I was like, are they going to bastardize that by sort of going for this gimmicky poverty porn way? And I think despite the name, it actually really is very genuine to the experience that we had and genuine to the experiences of people that do experience homelessness. Um, it, it was, it's probably one of the things that I'm most proud of being able to take part in in my life uh yeah 
it was very moving and some of the relationships that you guys and the people that uh, you met along the way oh man like you couldn't help but want to go out and do something for these people in some large or very small way uh is that something that now your whole perception has changed and when you walk down the street and unfortunately see someone in a position like that where does your mind go to now after doing that Uh, i mean i think that i went into the show because i had a very ignorant point of view i didn't know a lot about the issue of homelessness Um, And I think that for a lot of people, and this isn't me trying to absolve myself of guilt at all, but especially a lot of um, sort of millennials or Gen Zs or whatever the new one is, um, our parents try to shelter us from things. And because of that, we don't have a proper understanding of it. Um, I've continued doing stuff with the Wayside Chapel here in Sydney ever since. I'm now one of their ambassadors. Um, And it's just something that has become a cause that's very close to my heart. Um, And I think that it's just completely removed of any judgment. You know, one thing I definitely assumed was that people became homeless because of alcohol addiction or mental health issues. When in reality, for a lot of people, those things actually happen afterwards because that both is sort of a form of escape. You know, if if you can, if your day is not going very well and if you can find some sort of absolution in in a bottle of vodka or something like that, you know, it kind of does make sense. Um, And you know, completely taking away any of that judgment and sort of coming from a point of complete compassion and the realization that it can actually happen to any one of us. I think it's something like 10 weeks. Most people are 10 weeks away. If they were to lose all of their income, like their source of income, they're about 10 weeks away from homelessness. Wow. Wow. That is, that's a very interesting statistic and a very eye-opening statistic. And so, when you were uh, out on the streets, how much of the your mind and your mentality was remembering that this is a TV production and how much of it was like, oh, no, like someone will come in and fix me up or, oh, no, I have to actually get some cardboard and sleep on the ground and make my way around town? They made it very apparent to us very early. As, as soon as we were... In fact, as soon as we got picked up from the hotel before we were even taken to the warehouse where we were sort of told what was going to happen. The five of us were separated. We weren't being able to be talked to by any of the um, other cast or crew. No one sort of said anything. They took away our phones. So it became very apparent very early on that we were sort of going to be completely to ourselves. I think for me, at least when I was going through it, even in my hardest moments, I was like, this is 10 days. I know that at the end of the 10 days, I can go back to a home like I'm the lucky one you know um so I think that that sort of is the thing that got me through you know and I was like I just want to be able to experience this and also I think it's so fantastic that um obviously being I was 20 when I did the show um and they play it a lot in high school and clearly being 20 years old it's only a few years older than people that are in high school and my mentality of coming from a place of ignorance is something that's very easy for people to understand when they are that age, when they're in their late teens. So I feel like a lot of young teens have been able to tap into sort of my journey on it and kind of have that own understanding for themselves, which is fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. And behind the scenes for a production like this, 
the people that you were meeting along the way, obviously uh, knowing kind of how media works behind the scenes as well, people would have to give uh, confirmation and approval to be on camera, all that sort of stuff. Were you met with uh, any resentment, any shunning from people in the community and the areas you tried to explore and learn from? Was there a lot of pushback from those types of people? I personally didn't have a lot. Um, I think being under 25, the situations that I would put in were slightly different, um, just because I know that the a lot of the money in the shelters and the really amazing quality shelters that Melbourne and Sydney and Australia really do have, um, not saying that all of them are and not saying that there are enough of them, but there are a few that really are amazing. And I was able to sort of go into a few of them where it sort of was um, set up so that I could have that experience and that interaction with people that were going through a somewhat positive um, journey back. But um, I know that a lot of the other cast, one of them went to a Red Cross food van one night and people started to get very aggressive, which is understandable, you know, being followed around with camera crews and sort of when you're down on your luck and kind of doing, going at a um, Red Cross food van yourself, you know, you probably don't, necessarily want to be seen nationwide so i know that there was a bit of hostility that was given towards some other people yeah it's uh it's incredible and i won't dwell on too much but i was fortunate enough with my partner she did a lot of uh community volunteer work with the st vincent's and doing the the food runs so we would go and when i started dating with her uh we would go into some of the community housing and drop off food and dinners for people and and i say the word fortunate that might sound weird but i say the word fortunate because it provided me such to use the term again eye-opening experience of a different group of people in a different way that people live and those people a lot of the people i met were so lovely it wasn't something that they could control earlier on in their life that situation and result of their life of where they're in right now wasn't sometimes at their own fault Uh, i'm not saying you know that covers everyone but a lot of the people that were happy enough they say thank you they're polite they've got an okay living situation for where they're in and they're still they're still a human. They're still good people um, that just have some bad or different things going on. So I find myself very fortunate for that yep. stint of stint of time that I got to experience that. Um, and God, I, I feel like you would be the exact same coming out of a a ten day project like that, and a whole different perception of that type of world as well. Um, and so, so if anyone hasn't seen it, highly recommend. Filthy Rich and Homeless uh, on SBS. Go and watch it because it really is fantastic. Um, Keeping with the TV theme, you've appeared on uh, some much lighter uh, programs, Dancing with the Stars. Uh, Came runner-up on that. That's a bit of a switch for TV, wasn't it? Yeah, it was probably the most fun I think I've ever had in my life. Really? Wow. That's, That's a big statement. Uh, it was just, I mean, I think it's so stupid and wonderful in concept. Like, as an adult, I got to spend all week learning a dance routine with one of my girlfriends and then had to put on a sparkly custom-made outfit and got my family and friends to sit in an auditorium for three hours and watch me perform it. Like, that's what I did as a child. <laughs> and now at 24, I was like, and now you're doing it again. Right. Now, I will say, did anyone 
the stylist behind the scenes try and tell you what to wear or did you have some sort of say in all of your outfits that went uh, on the dancing? Well, the costume designer is an incredible guy, Tim Chappell, who actually did all the Oscar, all the um, costumes for Priscilla Quinn in the Desert, which he won the Oscar for. Wow. So you would say that I, we were all in very, very safe hands. But knowing how much I loved fashion, he would always sort of... We weren't meant to see our looks until we tried them on. But um, he would always kind of ask my advice and be like, what do you like? And I'd be like, oh, I really like pants like this or what if we cut them like that? He would always kind of include me a little bit because he just knew that it was something that excited me so much, which I'm so grateful for. Oh, great. That's so good to hear that you've had a great experience because it looks it looks very tiresome. Like I've seen behind the scenes clips of people like bruises all over their legs, um, nonstop panting, yeah. nonstop practicing. And I'm like, yeah, again, it's kind of like the whole... I'm a celebrity or even filthy rich and homeless. It's like, it's a TV production. How much is actually real behind the scenes? But when you see those, you know, BTS uh, clips, it's like, no, they're doing this for real. They actually have to perform this in front of a live audience. They have to get the steps right. Uh, did you think you were in over your head at any stage? Are you a dancer? I danced when I was at school, but it was a very, very different type of dance. I never, I must admit, I went into this a bit like, oh, yeah, I've got it. I've oh, done it right. And then learning Latin and ballroom, it's a completely different world. It's so incredibly technical. There was um, one week I was put into quarantine with my dance partner because my dad had COVID and I was in close contact. And we had to learn our waltz routine, which is sort of really known for using all the space in our tiny, tiny little studio apartment. Um, and then the day before we were allowed to go up to the rooftop to practice where we were actually going to do it. There was so much construction going on. It was so windy, but it was like glaring sun. And I was wearing these sunglasses and Lily, my dance partner came up to me and she was like, you know, when you wear those sunglasses, I can't tell how you're feeling. And I took them <laughs> off and my like eyes were just running. I was like sobbing. And she was like, what's wrong? I was like, we're on a friggin' rooftop learning how to do a waltz when my dad's like at home alone for the past two weeks with this disease that none of us know anything about. And we're like just learning how to dance. I was like, it's so stupid. Um, but she, you know, I called my mom that night and she was like, honey, the world's like about to change. And this could be your last opportunity to do something like this. So like, grab it by the horn wow. so i'm so glad that i did oh absolutely and might i say that's such a cool way to deal with almost a mini breakdown like you've just chucked some sunnies on and gone nah nah <laughs> it'll be fine that's such a fashionable way to deal with uh life crumbling before you or a little uh, moment like that yeah. um oh that's that's fantastic that's very funny and and i won't go too much into it but obviously that unknowingness of in lack of information about a virus like that um, and hitting so close to home. God, that would have absolutely scared everyone, especially yourself being so close to your dad. Yeah, he was number 171 um, in Australia. Oh, wow. Um, so it was like really, really early days. Um, and it was also, none of us kind of really know why, but they say that the disease should last around 14 days. For him, I think he was in quarantine for a total of 24 um so and the, the disease he he got tested um at the end of the time and he still had it so then had to get tested again still had it um you know so it was definitely very concerning just thinking what, what's going to happen none of us know about this and sure he, he was pretty much asymptomatic the whole time 
But I was like, is this going to be something where he's asymptomatic and has it for the first two months? And then after month two, he still has it and starts developing symptoms. Like, is it just going to wear him down? Um, thankfully, it didn't. But, you know, at that moment, it was it was really scary. Yeah. Oh, God, it absolutely would be. Um, well, look, uh, he's doing fantastic now, I can imagine. He's bounced back stronger than ever. Uh, so, yeah. He's downstairs. I can smell him cooking some bangers and mash. Oh, oh really? Okay, wait, is he going to, like, come up yeah. and put it in front of you or something? Is he, like, what's this? No, I, him and I have very different diets. <laughs> I'm vegan, and he exclusively eats, like, lamb chops and and oh, he is a full-on meat man and you are a herbivore yeah no. oh god yeah okay well that's i'm guessing that was a great when you first said that i'm like oh amazing that's what you want and then this <laughs> very quickly turned into this is a, your worst nightmare <laughs> oh absolutely he still eats i swear it's like it's the 1930s i asked him the other day um what he wanted i was gonna make a dessert and i was like what's your favorite dessert i was like i can make a chocolate mousse or i could try and make like a um croque and bouche sort of thing is because i love baking and i was like you know what my favorite is bread and butter pudding uh, and i was like <laughs> bread and butter pudding i was like we're not on rations you know that right i know that was probably i wouldn't be surprised if we researched that and it was born out of like the wartime when they only had bread literally and it's it's bread and butter and like egg yolks with sugar <laughs> oh god someone just had some damper and a chicken and they're like what can we do that's uh, oh man god um that's fantastic now something else that's absolutely incredible and such an accomplishment you have been named the first male ambassador for pantene like that is gotta be a dream with hair like yourself that it's honestly like an absolute dream come true the whole time when we were filming the TVC and I sort of had, they were like whipping my hair and there was a big fan. I kept being like, oh my God, I feel like we're in a hair commercial. And I'm like, we are. Yes. Um, it, it was like just absolute goals. Like can die happy. I think, I think like, yes, you've probably got a bunch of, as you said, a, a TV commercial going up, a whole fashion shoot around it. But the one photo that's, like quintessential Pantene hair, how all the hair is coming like out from the side of you. I've seen one. I think there's already one up. I've seen a photo and I was like, oh my God, I've never wanted long hair more in my life. Like that is... And that's all real too. Yes, yes. That's the thing. There is no extensions. There's no filtering that. That is just good old Pantene product and a good set of hair. That is unreal. Were you in that moment... Is that when you stop and think, I've I've achieved something really special for me in my life? Yeah, absolutely. That was definitely a pinch me moment. And it was also, it coincided um, with the day that I bought my first house. So it was just like a big day all together. Um, but it was, yeah, it was an absolute incredible moment. And the photographer, um, Daniela, she shot Mariah Carey's um music box album and her christmas album and i'm such a huge fan of daniella and the stuff that she's done um so getting to work with her as well was just incredible and also to sort of um self-reflect and be like how fantastic that they obviously kind of wanted to diversify the pantene product um or at least the pantene market um and have a man in there but i'm glad that they sort of went for someone that wasn't stereotypically masculine 
that they still chose someone that is a bit quirky and it is a bit weird and sort of fills in a, a very different blank than just like having a doodle. <laughs> <laughs> to put it simply <laughs> yeah oh no I, th- I think they've made a fantastic decision there as well um yeah because it not only reflects yourself it reflects for what you stand for what their brand stands for and it's a fantastic collaboration like that is a dream collaboration like you were talking before with with clothing that's yeah hair products who knew well i mean and they also are, are very intrinsically tied to the lgbtqi community they've always been a massive massive supporter of it so it, it's nice to actually know that they're putting their money where their mouth is and they're actually supporting the community they're not just kind of chucking a rainbow on something oh yeah 100 percent. now i i don't want to be the bearer of bad news however this mm-hmm. does mean yeah. you can never cut your hair you do realize that i know <laughs> i know I was like, oh my. What's going to happen if I'm like a 70 year old man and there's just like a few wispy bits? I'm like, yeah, but I was going to say, but they're going to be the best looking wispy bits you ever did see. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's it's so good. I just got a big delivery of um, new products yesterday and I was like, oh. Oh, that's, that's got to be a, an absolute perk for, for that partnership there. Oh, it's, it's such a perk. Yeah, because all the stuff is. Um, coming out very very shortly the, the sort of big launch um so they sent me all the new stuff and it was just it's i mean it's amazing i love it it's i i honestly couldn't love them it enough and it's actually something that i genuinely do love i as a kid um do you remember you probably don't because we're too young but rachel hunter in the like early 80s did this commercial and she goes it won't happen overnight but it will happen um and and like flicks her hair for Pantene. I remember finding that when I was in high school and I thought it was so iconic. And then she came back a few years later and did it again with her daughter. And I thought that was even better. And I used to play these clips all the time. So then when Pantene reached out, I was like, no way. Of all the brands for Pantene, which I've actually always been obsessed with, it's just incredible. Oh, I could be the next Rachel Hunt. <laughs> That's yeah. <laughs> That's so fantastic. And I will say, on the video, if people follow uh, Instagram and and see the highlights from this, you have that hair flick down perfectly. I, I look <laughs> like I've got some sort of thing going on. I can't do it properly. Like a spasm, you've <laughs> hurt your neck. <laughs> yeah, I know, I've pulled something in my neck, but you did it so flawlessly. It's amazing. Oh man, very, very jealous. I've, I've got a cap on in this and I'm, I'm not bringing my hair out because I don't, I don't wash it all that often, I will say, classic boy. Uh, but no, you're definitely taking the cake in the hair department today. Um, now, I've got two uh, fun little segments that I like to finish up the chat with. Uh, the first one yeah, is called the Best Mates Quiz. Best Mates Quiz. Best Mates Quiz. Yeah. And it's a 10-question, this or that, would you rather type questions. Now, it finds out a bit... Okay. bit more about you uh, and if you've got some interesting stories off the back of it, I love hearing about it um, and it also tests the compatibility of how good mates we would be depending on like what my answers are, I guess, as well. So, yeah. are you ready, Christian? Yeah, give it Here me. we go. I have tailored a few of these to what you might believe and like though. Would you rather never have perfect hair again or never be fashionable again? <laughs> Oh, oh! I would, I would prefer to never be fashionable again because I don't even know. 
I always say I never promise a good look. I just promise a strong look. Like I don't, ah. I'm not sure that I'm necessarily fashionable. Yes. I just pull together something like stupid and fun. Oh, actually, I, I was going to say behind the scenes, is Pantene like paying you to say everything good about hair, keeping your hair? You've gone the other option. <laughs> no, I mean, how good do you feel? Well, you don't have long hair, but when you have long hair and you've got a good hair day, you're just like the sun's shining, everything's going my way, nothing can stop me. Oh, absolutely. A bullet could fling at me and I would be like <laughs> Superman and be like, <laughs> Block it with the hair. That's Hey, I still have that feeling yeah. when I go to my hairdresser and I walk out feeling fresh as fly, like, oh my God. Uh, would you want to be the most popular person or the smartest? Oh, the smartest. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, absolutely. I've got like three best friends. I don't need any other ones. <laughs> And you're obviously number one. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. First best mate. That's it. Fantastic. Would you want to explore space or the ocean? Space. I love space. Yeah. It's so oh, so fascinating out there, I think. There's so much out there that we just have no idea about. Shampoo or conditioner? Mm, I'm going to say conditioner. Oh, makes it like leaves uh, it. Oh, is that a... <laughs> Wait no, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say shampoo because I live by the like dry shampoo. Oh, so not even in the shower shampoo. You've gone the the spray, the dry. That would be the preference of all of them, and then conditioner and then normal shampoo. Yeah. Oh, you've given me a tiered answer. I was not prepared for this at all, but I respect <laughs> it. I respect. If there's any man that's gonna talk about like the rankings of hair products it's going to be you so i will take your word as gospel i will uh i'll take that on um would you want to be a kid your whole life or an adult your whole life probably an adult because you can like have fun (laughs) oh what Uh, you didn't have a very happy childhood did you you didn't have a fun childhood (laughs) like like being a kid's like sure it's fun but, like, guess what? I can eat, like, croissants all day if I want. Or I can, like, lie in bed, if like, all day. You know, like, I can do whatever I want. I'm an adult. I can write, write my own rules to at least some degree. Whilst a kid, you're, like, dependent on everything. You can't even, like, bake your own porridge. Yes. I, your reasoning is sound. Your reasoning is sound. I, I respect <laughs> it. Um, would you rather be stuck on an island alone or with someone who talks incessantly? alone yeah no see you later mate (laughs) yeah yeah bye i'm very comfortable by myself oh no that is great would you rather be a little late or way too early or let's just go wait way too early wait i'm gonna i'm gonna change that on the fly would you rather be way too late or way too early way too early apparently lateness is the manifestation of internal anger that's what a friend of mine who's a um psychologist told me the other day oh wow that's very profound of you and them yeah i but i hate late people and i'm such a like anxious human i like to rock up somewhere like half an hour early like lap the block a few times and then like walk in still 10 minutes early like oh sorry i'm a little early (laughs) yes i think majority of people would say they would rather be early and the people who don't they're the late ones um Yep. Would you want to hear the good news first or the bad news? Bad news. End on the good news. End on good news. I like delayed satisfaction. So then at least you like end on a high. You're like thinking about the like good news afterwards. Whilst like 
realistically, if you hear the good news, you don't even have like time to celebrate Process. it before it's like crushed. Yes, actually, yeah, the window in between the new the different pieces of news is something to consider. Actually, I've never thought of it like yeah. that. Oh my god, how have I been living my life? Um, <laughs> would you rather be gossiped about? I'm guessing negatively or never talked about at all. Never talked about at all. I want to be gossiped about badly. Yeah. I think as I'm... Do many people answer that? Well... What, what are most people's answers to that? No, no. Well, you're, you're the only one because I change the questions every episode. So... Oh, okay. Well, uh, 100% of the people say never <laughs> talked about that. Survey says uh, never talked about. Um, and last one, would you rather have a cook forever or a maid forever? Oh, I love cooking and cleaning. Neither. Oh, wait, you love clean? Fire them both. <laughs> Pay me the money. I love clean. I honestly vacuum twice a day. The whole house. Oh, wow. That's that's the, that's yeah. the first time I've ever heard that, I think. <laughs> oh, it's, my friends, I had a birthday party last week and at the end of the birthday party, I was like, um, we had like caterers and stuff like that too. And I was like in the kitchen, like I'd taken off my big gloves that I was wearing and like was scrubbing up all the plates and all the other friends were coming in and were like, oh my God, it's your party, you shouldn't be cleaning. And my best friends are like, no, no, this is his greatest joy in life. <laughs> like cleaning up for his loved ones, not talking to them, but being close to them. It's like bliss. To stand there just in solitude with uh, with some gloves yeah. on and some soap and suds, but them just cl- oh, the close enough proximity that you can still know what's going on. Absolutely. Like I can chime in every now and then, but I'm not really a part of it. Oh man, that's so good. Well, it's it's funny that we talk about how you are at home because the last segment I like to do is called page two of Google. Now, when I interview some people for this podcast uh, and as a presenter, you got to do your research, very thorough. And uh, my research and doing it very thoroughly involves going to page two of Google. Page two of Google. Because no one goes Mm. to page two. Everyone just takes what's on the first one. And there's, you never know, there's some hidden gems in there. I'm not saying that any of it's true. I'm just saying there's some hidden headlines in there for some articles or whatever it might be. Um, and I did type in Christian Wilkins, went to page two of Google, and I saw a uh, an article that was titled Personal Space. About my time in the NFL? No, but there is a NFL player called Christian Wilkins. I did come across a few articles like that. Yeah. I was like, oh, wow, I didn't know he did this. And then obviously... <laughs> has been drafted from college football. Yeah, that's three. Thank you. Oh, so good. I was like, okay, we'll sift through those ones. But I did find an article that was titled uh, Personal Space at Home with Actor Christian Wilkins. And it was from Domain. And it was written uh, at the end of 2020. So not too long ago. Now, I did read through it. Some interesting bits in there that I just want to bring up. And again, don't know if any of this is true. I, I will say I reckon there is some true points in here. Now, one was, you've got a Christmas tree that's permanently up. Oh. Oh, oh he twisted the twisted the camera to show me. Wow, that's incredible. It's got one... Hang on, and it, did I read yeah. this right? It's got one Fendi bauble on it. Yep. yep. <laughs> the most simplest Christmas tree of all. <laughs> Obviously. What, what else? Like, how, how am I meant to put any other baubles there when I've got a Fendi bauble? So, does that mean when it actually comes around to Christmas, you don't dress it anymore? There's no star, there's no tinsel, there's nothing. I occasionally put lights on it, but that's pretty much it. Yep. Gotcha. Well, 
Are the lights Fendi? Are they Gucci? Are they Louis Vuitton? Do they do Christmas lights? I don't know, but they should. <laughs> the lights are actually a solar paneled, solar um, charged pair that I got from a two dollars store, and they stopped working after one go. Oh, so, and this is this yeah. is why we can't buy nice things because they just they exactly. absolutely fail on us. So no, <laughs> this way we can't have nice things. <laughs> um, no, I think the Fendi bauble is a very good addition and when i say addition it means like it's adding to something but there's nothing else there so it's the one one ornament that stands alone um and also it says uh and you actually mentioned it earlier that your dad's downstairs uh you live with your dad in a in a in a home on the north shore sydney's north shore is that correct Mm -hmm. yeah nice spot i'm not from sydney but it's got to be quite a nice place yeah (laughs) It is. I grew up here. I, I do love it. It is It is very quiet. And um, as I mentioned before, I, I actually just bought a place um, which is in the inner city area because, you know, I kind of, it's nice to, on the flip side, also walk outside your door and see yourself represented in your community, you know, and I want to be amongst the gays and people of color and lesbians and LGBTQI people, you know, and um, it, there isn't necessarily a plethora of them on the leafy north shore not to say that it's not beautiful and the people yeah. here are the same yeah no hey fair enough fair which enough. is my very diplomatic no answer. absolutely yes i will not ask anymore uh so we'll leave it at that uh and the very last point was uh it's said here the residence has open spaces handy for entertaining a roster of celebrities such as the late publishing mogul hugh hefner now is that something they've made up? Have you had Hugh Hefner at that house? And please explain. I personally don't know anything about that. <laughs> I kind of tested the parties that my dad has had. Uh, um, perhaps. I I mean, I didn't say that, so I assume that they got that from some other article that he's yeah. um, spoken about it. So, I mean, who knows? One time I came back from a party and um, Chris Isaac and Stevie Nicks were here singing. And I was like, whoa. Oh. What? Oh my God! What so like Wicked Game? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, I mean, oh, so the... I, I, I honestly have no recollection of what it was because I think I just like went into Nevada. <laughs> I was like, this is amazing. Oh, where am I? You, Can I live here forever? You went up there, both you and Stevie just flicked your hair together, and yeah. you're in euphoria. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was a state of euphoria. Oh, God. That would have been incredible. Well, when you go downstairs and you, you see your dad, ask him, did you ever host Hugh Hefner at this house? That would be, be very interesting. Um, look, mate, we'll wrap it on there. I, I really appreciate you coming on. The gratitude levels are very high. Uh, it was such fun, such fun. I, I really enjoyed learning a bit more about you, some, some really honest, reflective sides with the Filthy Rich and Homeless and also some fun, entertaining uh, subjects as well. So thank you very much for coming on Bla- uh, Best Mates with Blake. And uh, I, wh- who would I be and what this podcast would be would be nothing if I don't give you and get to you a slab of drinks. So I have to get a slab of drinks to you as a thank you for coming on board. Uh, so... But can I have a slab of cruisers? A cruisers? That's what you want. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I want a slab of cruisers. No, no, no worries here. I've done some soy sauce. I've done some kombucha. I've done oh. solo. I've done beer. Ew. I've done all of the above. So I will get cruisers. Is there? Do you have a preference of flavour? 
the sugar-free ones. Oh yes, no, we're not, our body's a temple. We can't put too much sugar. Uh, absolutely, <laughs> namaste. Says so, so the person who's about to get a carton of vodka cruises. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that's so good. All right. Uh, a pack of Volker Cruises coming your way. Uh, mate, thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me, Blake. To catch up on any or all of the Best Mates with Blake episodes, just search Best Mates with Blake wherever you get your podcasts. Plus, to follow along with highlights of the chats, including some clues as to who I might have on the next episodes, follow Best Mates with Blake on Instagram. Cheers.